Ready, steady. One, two, three. three. That wasn't at the same time. One, two, three. For anyone who is listening and was greeted by that horrible clap at the start, that was just to show you the extent that we've had to go to to record in person today. We do not have music technology <laughs> to prove that I'll tell you that, folks. I'm going to save that story that you posted as a highlight as well of like how far away we are <laughs> recording. Like, for those that haven't seen the Instagram story on like the two weeks before this episode drops, if you have seen it, to remind you what you should be looking out for, like Becca is in my kitchen mm. on a chair with her laptop on a very tall countertop. Yeah. And then I am across from her on my couch. Yeah. And reviving nonetheless. Reviving and still there's spillage onto my mic and <laughs> that's what's happened. So um we we struggled yet again. To record in person but um do you know what we are trying our best and we're socially distanced even though we're both fully vaxxed we're socially distanced fully vaxxed queens yes um also is a distinct lack of chloe we know we miss her yes. um our chloe is going and getting those jobs exactly she is up to her eyeballs this podcast so. doesn't pay money <laughs> i know someone asked me the other day they were like oh do you have advertisers and I was like no <laughs> it's the dream someday we have all the the um the hiring authors we talk about in the hopes that one day they will um they will press like on our instagram message <laughs> 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 that's about as advertiser friendly as it gets yeah you never know dreams may come true <laughs> oh what's what's the miss mcguire one it is oh no this is what dreams are made of. Hey now, hey now. I love how you just changed the key. <laughs> I like the original key. Um, the alto version. The alto version is my version. Like no hate towards the altos. Hey now, hey now. This is what dreams are made of. I would like you to not st- keep rubbing it in that I have vocal damage. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to rub it in that um, despite that horrific vocal performance I just gave, I do give free lessons out every once in a while yeah i'm gonna plug myself so well i plugged i plugged your, your lessons like quite a lot the other day and i was very proud of myself i appreciate it and I do you know what it. can you also tell that we didn't talk about what we were going to talk about on the podcast it's before like, hitting record like, as in Beckett and i um we should have called this podcast did you know we have a music degree <laughs> <laughs> because this is what happens when you get a music degree and you graduate your your life into falls a music apart. masters in the global pandemic. Like you, you start a podcast with unrelated topics. Hey, <laughs> to, to, hey, don't be to, slagging our podcast. <laughs> what the hell? Um, but this podcast is genuinely one of the highlights of my week. Every single week, week in and week out, because I just get to talk to my best friends. I like books and I love books and I love my friends. But and um, sometimes you are going to catch us in the middle of the weeks where we go, why am I in the music industry? And those are the weeks when all of the woes of trying to sort out work for September kick in. Well, to be honest, I think it doesn't help that our government is showing no support to the arts. Like it's it's ridiculous, like absolutely ridiculous, um, and. Yeah. Like we like we don't have guidelines on if I can even be in a room with a student, let alone guidelines on can I do the gig even though that's my job. You see they're like for the education, like when you're teaching, they're like, Oh, just look at like the education, like what guidelines do they have? And you're like, but then when you go to the education system, they're like, You don't apply to us, you're in the arts, like go away. And it's all this like back and forth and you're like no one's giving me a straight answer. Uh, I don't want to do anything illegal. So then you end up having to like teach online, which is 
very hard and props to everybody um, doing it. I but actually like, adore teaching online. I think for voice in particular, it works perfect. It's mm-hmm. absolutely almost the same as being in person. The only thing I can't do is give hugs and I do a good job. <laughs> I also can't play, play live music with them, but it works the same. Yeah. But it's, you know, that's not why a lot of people do music lessons. They do music lessons to get out of the house and go and have fun and meet people on the way to their music lesson. I'm like, we don't have any of that. So look, please register to vote and like remember all of this when election day comes. Like, me, Martin, if you're a fan of the podcast, we are not a fan of you, only. Get your act together. <laughs> I would genuinely be worried if he was listening to our podcast. Like, you have enough to do. Like, I'm sorry, you're supposed to be running a bloody country. Like, <laughs> you don't have free time. You don't have free time to be listening to a podcast. Like, podcast that you can't, like... <laughs> do you know, uh, where did the amateur podcast come into that now? Yeah, no, <laughs> professional have, uh, podcast level. Oh, yeah, professional <laughs> podcast level. Sorry. Like, yeah, exactly. Me, all of you listening, like, sorry, like, going to your job. Any of the and ministers, any TD, anybody in politics, like, I'm like, if you're listening to this, like, no, no. like, those are the only people who are like, go do your job, right <laughs> go do your job, go do your job, go do your job, you're getting far more money than I, <laughs> yeah. far less sympathy for you than, <laughs> yeah, like, remember this when you're voting, and also, if you're not registered to vote, Oh my god, register. We'll, we'll words. <laughs> register will haunt you. That's what. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll absolutely haunt the register to vote or give us money. <laughs> That's the only reason. They're like, oh, going out hordes of people <laughs> just being like, oh yeah, gotta register to vote, otherwise I have to pay this shitty podcast. <laughs> this professional podcast. Podcast, woo. Um, but yeah. So, other than that, we hope you had a nice week. Yeah, and welcome back to the Grim Reader Podcast. <laughs> There's our intro seven and a half minutes in. I'm before. actually like quite proud of us. Yeah. I'm uh, Becca, Rebecca, um, if people didn't know. No, I didn't. I just said Becca and I was like, oh, wait, no, Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. I know, but. <laughs> Do you know when someone calls you Becca or like a nickname and you're like, I don't know you well enough for oh this. God, my sister, my hello, Jess, if you're listening, I don't think you are because I don't think you care about this podcast, but that's fine. I'm really hurt, Jess. I'm really hurt. <laughs> Jess, if you are listening, first of all, thank you for the cover that is um, featured on our Instagram wall from a couple of weeks back. Yeah. And also, um, please, like, Jess will call me Nikki, but Jess will call me Nikki in the strangest way. Like that girl will find the weirdest mix of vowels and make it work. And then she'll be like, hi, Nikki. And That's I'm not like, that bad. Oh no, it drives me bonkers. I'm like, please call me Nicole. Like, maybe you could bleep that word and have like reductive. Because <laughs> <laughs> anyone you're, on this podcast calls me Nicole, like, I'll Your confidence out. levels in my editing skills well are not like. be on the elective register of vote. Like, if you call me Nicole, I'll throw hands. <laughs> you see, I was more referring to like, you know, when someone you don't know very well. Like you might only know them in passing, like an acquaintance, and they come up to you and they're like, "Oh, hey, Becca," and I'm like, "I've met you once for like oh, fifteen minutes." I do. I feel uncomfortable because it's more like close friends or like family, and I'm just if like, someone knows you as one, and they, they switch one day. That mm. that's what that's what bugs me. I don't think I've ever had that really. It's when people switch. I'm like, oh, okay, this like our friendship's gone up a notch. All right. Oh, I'm like, okay. But we should probably get into books. We should. We should. Um, and I can't remember who's going first. I think it's you. Oh, I hope it is because I'm really excited about this one. I think it's you, but it could be me. I, I know I'm not meant to hide if I enjoy a book, but like, okay, the book I'm giving Becca is um, uh, Stephen King's Billy Summers. So mm. it's no spoiler to say that I'm going to enjoy this book because I am a, C- a Stephen King simp. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about this one. Well, I sent you a picture. Yeah, send me a picture. Because so I'm sitting all the way over here. She's four meters away from me. It's 
completely yes, smelled. Yes, she's in my head. I am looking at Billy Summers by Stephen King. And I think I've guessed, have I guessed nearly every single Stephen King you've done? Oh, I no, I haven't. I think she did The Long Walk. I think she did The Long Walk and I think she did Doctor Sleep. So she I haven't. did. I think yeah. I've done 50-50. I did Misery. Yeah, you did. Was that the only one? I think that's the only one. Okay, this is my fourth Stephen I just, King album. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is, yeah. And the only quote on this is one of the great storytellers of our time from The Guardian. So this is a very aesthetic cover. Uh, so we've got kind of mountains, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. It kind of looks like it's, I'm going to say sunrise. Uh, but instead of the sun, we actually have like a target, like what you'd see in a gun, which mm. I immediately hate because hate? guns freak me out. I, I have a really big, like, guns just really terrify me. Um, but uh, Billy Summers is in big, bold font in the center in yellow, which is a nice choice, actually. I quite like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got a house. And it's all kind of very, um, how would you say, very graphic. Everything is like sharp lines, do you know? Millennial. Yeah. It's and there is there is a light on in the house. So what I'm going to say. First of all, you can tell that they made this on Canva. Don't. Are you dissing Canva? <laughs> I love Canva. I love Canva. It's a great cover. <laughs> I don't appreciate the sarcasm. So I, I just I worry like Canva is putting a lot of people into their jobs <laughs> because I abuse Canva. To be honest, like I use Canva, but I'm not good at it. So oh, I love it. <laughs> I do love it, but I'm shit at it. So and I'm Come I'm my online course. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Nikki's just here self plugging herself today. I'm just the sponsor of this episode. But anyway, my guest for Billy Summers. So I'm going to say that this is about a man named, I don't want to say Billy, but I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say his name is Billy Summers. And I was like, Megan, this is your one chance to get the protagonist's name right. I know, but like, I just feel like I'm, that's wrong. Like, I don't think, okay, I feel like it's wrong. Your misery, you're actually. Well done, Becca, you are correct. Okay. But his the main character's name is indeed Billy Summers. You see, I want to go a different direction. And it'll make sense when I come out with my plot. So, immediately <laughs> I am seeing Billy Summers um, is, <laughs> is um, huge into conspiracy theories. Like, he is those people that, like, has pushed tinfoil all over their house, all over their rooms. Oh, like he will wear a tinfoil hat. He's like, the aliens are coming. Like Billy Summers is rocking that tinfoil hat. Like he's rocking it, but he's like really he's really using like coat hangers as antennae. Like he is just, yeah, he he is far gone on the conspiracy route. He's in the best life. Yeah, so I'm gonna say that he releases a conspiracy magazine. Now he is based in like he's like, where can the government, the aliens? The, you know, far left, far right, <laughs> anybody else find me. I don't want them to find me. So he literally I'm moves. Actually, it's really refreshing that the, it's a conspiracy theorist who's afraid of the far right because usually they are one of the same. He's afraid of everything. He's, he's like, afraid. I'm so powerful that every side wants to get me. Oh, shit. He's the, he's, he's, he's the man. He's the one. So, the uh, of the universe. exactly. So I'm going to say he moves to. The, a random spot like up high on some kind of mountains and like it is literally a cabin like he's living in a cabin and like I'm gonna say it's in Montana mm-hmm. okay I'm gonna say Montana and um like he's he hasn't even like he's like I'm not registering my address like you know people assume back in his own life that like he's potentially dead they're like yeah that man was a boom the only reason the government and all that and all their agencies know that he's alive is because he releases a conspiracy magazine once a month. Ooh, and they keep... Called? Girl, why do you do this to me? He has to have a fun name. Flat Earthers. Oh my God, do you remember the name? Me and Chloe were going to make a podcast years oh, ago. Yeah. Do you remember what it was going to be no. called? How to spot a UFO. 
Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, that's his. That's his conspiracy. Okay, <gasps> that should be the name of his conspiracy. This is old to me, Chloe. Yeah, Con- conspiracy so. magazine. <laughs> so he is uh, releasing this, and um, he obviously has to leave the cabin to like gather information, and he usually goes to several different um, web cafes. Um, all this like local libraries like looking up information or like onto forums and whatever boards and he stumbles across this uh, conspiracy theory about uh, some trying to I don't want to go up with a politician's death mm. but like something really shady Elvis Presley is still alive no it's <laughs> gonna have to do with government or like no, it's got to do with Graceland, honey. Or what <laughs> I else? I honey, you've been so telling like, the mystery to catch this podcast. <laughs> what else could be? I could say it's something to do with the military as well. That he stumbled across some like huge contract that they're going to sell out. Is it a scandemic? <laughs> <laughs> what I'm going to say is he, uh, he's come across this um, contract saying that they are going to sell out um, undercover um agents um in certain parts of the world um in exchange for like guns or whatever and um it's everything is like out on the news at the moment to say we're bringing our guys home like blah blah blah. and anyway he digs into it and like there's lots of like hush hush information and he finds out like anybody who's seen this has literally died so obviously He's like, I need to make this information public with my magazine. <laughs> um, it's the ring, except he's he's like uploading it to YouTube. <laughs> so he he releases it, and immediately, like the FBI, the CIA, and all those other ones that like are secret, um, are there? Like, we need to like get rid of this guy. Um, so I'm gonna say that. Um, in the middle of the night, like he has, I'd say whatever booby traps, but one of his booby traps goes off and he's like, oh damn, they're coming for me. Of course, this man has like a secret tunnel from his cabin. Oh, of course. He, <laughs> he has a secret tunnel. He's got a bunker. He's, he's got a bunker. He heads out, he grabs his supplies and I'm going to say he actually does have like a phone, a burner phone for this situation. And he contacts like, um, former agents that he knows and um they're not answering and he i'm gonna say that he flees he literally sleeps in his truck and then the following morning it is announced that these former agents that he was trying to contact i'm gonna say there was two or three um they've turned up dead yeah um they were they were shot in a drive-by when they were going out for having drinks Oh, um, and he's like, they oh my God, they're going together. I'm going to say they were all died together. He is immediately like, this is, this conspiracy is real. Like, oh my God, I've stumbled on the jackpot and an I'm going to die. real conspiracy that will now validate everything I've believed in life. <laughs> exactly. So he is, he tries to track down, I'm going to say his sister. His sister wants nothing to do with him. She's like, this is not healthy for you. And he's like, people are dying. And, and he tries like to, yeah. She's so like, you told me last week to wear tinfoil I'm going to say they rage. haven't, they haven't had contact in years. She's cut oh. off. She's cut it off. Um, because she's also married to uh, some kind of detective or agent or something like that. So he, she, he's like, I think you should leave her, your husband. And she's like, it's always the brother-in-law. So she's like, no, I'm actually going to say, I'm going to say that this guy's actually good. And he's like, I actually believe you. I think there's something suspicious (gasps) going on. And I'm going to say that what ensues is like, uh, he's obviously shot at. There's assassination attempts. Like he's having to like, try to flee the country um, and stuff like that. And it's all like a hunt to like rescue these agents and Billy Summers from being murdered and yeah oh. that's my guess ooh. i went very espionage ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. now when i gave you this book and i was giving it to you specifically mm. i was kind of like mm, becca's gonna guess most of the book and that's not gonna be interesting because after reading the book it's one of those covers that's just like it just works it's like the story okay so yeah, i was right really good cover. so you are completely wrong oh and to be honest, i love that you are because 
I was worried that this was like a little obvious or something. Mm-hmm. And but then when I look again, I'm like, so isn't like because your story works so well with as well. Think so, Billy so. Summers by Stephen King. This is hot off the press, by the way. This I know. Is, yes. Yeah, this is hot off the press. So this is about Becky. You got his name right. His name is Billy Summers. I wonder how. And then yet in my story, I think I would have called him Jeff. Called Jeff. Yeah. Maybe that's one of his undercover aliases. Yeah. Billy Summers is actually not his real name in my story. No. Billy Summers is an alias. His <gasps> real name is Jeff. Oh my god, that's what it's like. It's like his name Jeff is Jeff. Spot UFO with Billy Summers. Yeah. And his actually Jeff. The CEO of But go on. What is this okay. book actually about? This book is about Billy Summers, the garbage man with a gun. That's why, like, he refers to himself in one of the lines. Oh, I no. He's an ex-army sniper turned assassin. And he's got one last job before he's out. Like, all the best ones do. Like, you know, it's always the last Daddy, job. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. I don't know. But the thing is, he calls himself the garbage man with a gun. Because his only way to stay true to his morals is that he only kills bad people. So he will only kill the people who he thinks kind of deserve it. People who have done the same crime, if not worse. So it's like Dexter. Um, yeah, a little bit like Dexter. Maybe that's why I picked it up, maybe. Or the um, other reason is because it's Stephen King and yeah, there is Stephen King, King horror. Publishes, except... I don't really like the Derek Shower series, no offense to you. <laughs> Singer was okay. Okay, but anyway, Billy Summers, he is an assassin who only kills bad people and he has one last job and then he's out. His last job is to kill a man who is in prison and he's another hitman and this other hitman is in prison and about to go on trial because he's actually been involved with the assassination of a child. I know. Sicko! Grim. Now, the thing with this job is we need Billy Summers, right, to see being asked to do it and the money is good. It's like five million. And Billy kind of wants out of this stage. I'm in the wrong like, profession. I know, literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> I know, it's depressing. And he's kind of like, I didn't want another job, but like, I can't say no to this. You know, like, this is all he needs. And uh, he could just never work again. So he goes undercover in as part of this assassination because it's quite a big deal and it's quite a cool kind of thing to the story. He goes undercover for a few months um, to set up the sting and it's all set up for him that he is going to be an aspiring writer and he's going to write every day in this tower building where you can rent a room and rent a floor and that's going to be where he eventually takes the shot because it's based in the courthouse where our target is going to soon be going in to face a trial. Mm-hmm. Um, the target's going to name some pretty powerful people who set him up for the job, but someone else has a bigger hit on him to kill him. And, you know, it's a whole moral thing, but, he, you know, it's a lot of money. He, he needs it. So um, he... The, the cool thing about this book is he's like, the character is like immediately really likeable because he's getting this job and he's he's obviously kind of telling, like his, his point of view is like, oh, this isn't a great job, but like, you know, I'll make sure this guy deserves to die before I take on this job. And then when he gets told that his cover is going to be a writer, he's kind of excited because he reads all the time and he loves literature and he's really, really excited about it, but he can't tell anyone because he works in a really dangerous business. And one of his protections is that he kind of plays the dumb guy. Mm. So all the people he works with think he's kind of just an idiot with a gun, but he's actually really, really, really clever. So he always has to get away for if the job's gonna go wrong. And he also leaves it so that he's not like, you know, they set up all the work for Mm. him and that nothing can go wrong and that he can double check his back and all this. So he plays the dumb guy. Which means as um, Billy starts going undercover, um, he actually starts to write this book and he writes it like really stupid, like it's really badly written. But through this really badly written autobiography that we kind of get to see in between the glimpses of him finally living this fake but normal suburban life, we get his backstory and why he went into the army and what happened when he was in the army. 
and he's come from like a really rough childhood. We get the whole story and we just get to learn his heart. Um, before any of this kid happens. So like the very first half of this book is just Billy living in suburbia and it really is camp for the storm. Um, it, it's really hard sometimes to read these extracts of his past because like they're just badly written, like God love him. Um, but he mentions through these excerpts as he's getting to learn his neighbours and he's like playing Monopoly with the kids next door and just having a really nice life. We get this lovely sense of kind of, you know, that calm, but we also get this sense of like there's something wrong with this job that he's taken on. There's something off. And um I I, I took a quote from the way Billy mm. says it in his narrative and he says, the job feels wrong. In movies, they tilt the camera ever so slightly to add suspense. It's called dutching. And he thinks that this whole facade is, there's, there's some dutching going on. The camera's been tilted. Okay. It's slightly off-center. And I just thought that really cool way to describe it. So um, he he's writing these stories and they're in, like, in the point of view of his dumb self, which is what he calls it. And then he starts making the realization as he's writing about what happened to him in his childhood that like maybe it's actually not my dumb self that I put onto the world. It's like my child self. Mm. And there's a really interesting psychology view there. And um, basically he in his childhood was asked to take care of his sister. And um, in, in his own words, he fails at the most or the most important job in the whole real world. And his sister is killed. And um, like no one's like no one's ever asked anything more of him really. Like he can't really trust himself, and there's an awful lot going wrong because of that for him. And the undercover aspect of living in the suburb as a normal guy who's writing a book, it starts to feel like everything he's ever wanted, and he starts to get hopeful. Like maybe this is one day I'm gonna have this. I'm gonna have my five million. I'm gonna break even. I'm I'm gonna get out of this, and I'm gonna have this life for myself. But something's going wrong. Something's off in the job. And then we hit the halfway point in this book and there is a huge turn mm-hmm. and a new chat, a new character. And you just don't know where it's going to take you. This is, okay, guys, this is just such a good book. And I'm going to give you a trigger warning. There is quite graphic descriptions of the character's past traumas. And mm-hmm. if you read Stephen King, you're probably used to things like gore and just horror in general. But just to be specific, that there is a um, graphic description of character who has been raped. And um, we we hear her detail her trauma quite, quite vividly. Also, the way he writes it, when I first started reading it, I was like, oh, Stephen King, I love you. But this is a bit like, it's not done with a lot of awareness. To how far we've gotten for rape victims and sexual assault victims, but he does redeem himself later on. But just do take that in mind. Um, I, I did, I did feel that one reading. So, um, I'm going to give you some reviews. Okay. This is um this novel. First of all, it debuted at number one on the New York Times Fiction Bestsellers on August seventh this year. Hot off the press. In a rave review, John Dugdale of the Sunday Times said it's disciplined but adventurous, equally good at action scenes and in-depth psychology. King shows with this novel that at 73 years old, he's a writer back at the top of his game. Wow. He's 73. Um, Neil McRobert of The Guardian said it's his best book in years and he said it's his own brand of muscular heightened realism and Nick Robert wrote that the odd balance with the sunlight and um, luxurious first half of the book succeeded largely because King is so good at character and making us care through really incidental details and a lot of reviews talk about like how the first half of the book is just really dreamy and nostalgia mm-hmm. and it's that American nationalism on like you know, just how how lovely it is to just have a barbecue with your neighbours and just have a couple of cans on on the front of the porch and there's these really lovely moments that just give you so much more detail than he could in other words. Um, this book is realism. There isn't any supernatural elements to it, except there is one 
and it's amazing. Okay. I all I'm gonna say is the cover of the book, they do end up in Colorado looking off through the mountains, and there's a mysterious hotel that people say does appear in the mist and sometimes isn't there at all. So if you're a student can't find and even if you've just seen any Stanley Kubrick movie <laughs> It's the shiny bitch <laughs> That was one of the best details. I was like just love that book so much and we got a shout out. Um, and then I also read things in reviews that a lot of people are saying that um, he did, apparently, he did an awful lot of research into Lee Harvey Oswald a couple of years ago and they're saying that this like really shows how much he read into it. Because mm. I guess this parallel, so you're with the Ant-Man assassin thing. And um, yeah, it's, it's kind of mad. I didn't really know that before. And then I have one more extract from a review with Guardian. And it's just about um, how King mythologizes American life. And I just love this bit. It just summarizes why I love this book so much. So a little girl's crayon drawing becomes a totem. The song Teddy Bear's Picnic becomes a poignant refrain. By the inevitable biblical climax, unlikely pot controversies or dated sexual politics are forgiven. Because we can't help but be won over by the eternal figure of the lone individual making a stand. And that is, that's a Stephen King protagonist for you folks, mm. if anything. <laughs> the way he writes about writing and how freeing it is and how much it can do for a person just make me fall head over heels for this book. The end of this book is the best Stephen King ending of all time. And that's Ooh. a big trope. People say that he can't end the book. He so can. <laughs> the ending's beautiful. Um, and then I was telling Becca earlier that like we talked about Stephen King before. And so if you want his like his bio, then you can tune back. I've talked about it a lot of times on this podcast. Yes. So instead, today I present you some interesting facts. <laughs> so Stephen King, first of all, guess how many books he's written, Becca? 28. 63. <laughs> Damn. That is one productive novels. man. He's 73 years old. He's still writing. Five non-fiction books. Seven under Richard Bachman, which we've talked about before. Mm. Guess how many short stories he's written? I'm going to go way higher. 56. 200. <laughs> God damn it. The man doesn't stop. Like, writing is his passion. And like, I'm telling you, the bits about writing in this book are the best bits you'll ever read in Stephen King. They're mm -hmm. amazing. So his name is Stephen Edwin King, which is a very strong name. Um, this is a fun fact. I googled Stephen King fun facts. And the first one popped up was, fun fact, Stephen King was hit by a car. Then bought the car that he didn't. <laughs> Here's another one. This one is actually, this is a fun fact. King and John Mellencamp and T-Bone Burnett collaborated on a musical called Ghost Brothers of Darkland County. <laughs> John Mellencamp, his daughter is Jenny Mellencamp from Housewives. Housewives. It always just comes back to it Housewives. It always comes back to the real Housewives of Beverly Hills, baby. Mm. Um, King played rhythm guitar for a band made up of successful writers called The Rock Bottom Remainders. And um, there was Stephen King, Amy Tan, Dave Barry, Mitch Album, Verba King Solver, Matt Groening, and Ricky Pearson. Is Matt Groening the Simpsons yeah, guy? He is. <laughs> yeah, Um, And I have one more, and this is my favorite one. Um, Stephen King was an avid Lost fan. And uh, sometimes he wrote about the show in an entertainment weekly column he used to have. And it's called The Pop of King. <laughs> but the, like the last writers loved him as well. And they mentioned that like Stephen King was a major influence in their work. And then there was a rumor that he was the man behind um, a mystery called Bad Twin. Um, but he's after saying it wasn't him. What movie it was? Apparently he wrote a, a tribute to like a lost fan fiction basically. <laughs> So that, that is all the reasons on why I would die for Stephen King. <laughs> why I would die? That's that's pretty extreme, Nikki. <laughs> I love that man. I just think he's one of the good ones. 
that he's one of the good ones. Also, if you hate Trump, he gets mentioned like 50 times, all times negative, and it's quite funny. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. He's a very vocal anti-Trump. Yeah, he is a very liberal guy. And he takes every single chance he can take a stab at it, he does. Also, if anything, because he was writing this book in um, 2019, and when the pandemic got worse, he had originally set this to take place in 2020. And in editing, he decided to bring it back to 2019 and just have the characters play out 2019 and kind of keep a bit of realism. But then there's loads of like little sentences kind of thrown in and it's like, oh, um, like one of the neighbors kind of goes home and spends a lot of time by herself most nights. It was preparing her well for what our characters would endure in the next three, in the next six months. Oh damn! And he like mentions like oh it's so bizarre. He mentions like the oncoming pandemic, and he's like our poor characters have no idea about what in, what is in store for the rest of 2019 to 2020. Um. So yeah, that mm-hmm. is really summary by Stephen King, and it is a solid nine out of ten. Yeah, solid, I was expecting that. I was expecting that. Um, yeah. Thanks for letting me just gush for, uh, I think, a total of 20 minutes there. It's fine. I'll just chop it all out. Ah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Stephen King's simple it will remain. I will not be silenced. <laughs> like, and if for any listeners that may come in and try to defend her, like, no, she is, like... There's no stopping her, like, I... No, I'll railroad this podcast if I have to. <laughs> oh, this has... I've seen this book a lot of places. Yes. I'm actually, you know what happened? This cover is really similar to They Both Die at the End. Oh, I read that. Yeah, isn't it really similar? Am I right? It is, yeah. It's a really similar cover. But it was like all over. I saw it a lot in Waterstones and things like that when it first came out. Yeah, I've seen it on, um, on oh, I think it's, I think it's about the Scribes page. Mm. Um, either their website, I should say. Um, I'm looking at Would I Like to You by Alila Ali Afsal. So, Alia Ali Afsal. Okay. Yeah. That's a really nice name. Isn't it? Can it's you really say pretty. Can you say time it rolls beautifully? Alia Ali Avzel. And yes, I did Alia. listen to a YouTube clip for it myself oh to get my that right. because such a good name. I would hate to Alia, pronounce a, an author's name incorrectly. Oh and they don't deserve it. They do not. This, they do not that is it. A, I'm so glad you Googled it because that is a power Isn't name. it? It's beautiful. That's such a good name. Oh mm. my God. Yeah, we, we need a top 10 names ranking. Like, <laughs> but like top 10 names to name your characters in books. No, no, no. The, the author's top 10 authors. I just, I'd still learn. Second <laughs> Okay, I'm looking at Would I Lie to You by Alia Ali Afsal, best mm. name ever. And the cover is really, really, really like... Um, they both die at the end. Have you seen that? So I'm looking at the the infamous 2021 neon orange cover that has it is everywhere. All of the best selling books of this year. Um, so it's neon orange. There is an hourglass in the middle with some. It kind of looks more like water than sand. It's like blue, and above it says, "It says, Would I lie to you?" In big kind of uh, dark blue cursive font. And there are two reviews on the book. It says, I devoured this book that Sarah Pierce. Do I know that name? I don't know. Can I Google who she is? No. Okay. (laughs) Intelligent and Original by Leslie Cara. So I'm not getting a whole lot here, but hmm. Yeah, Becca, I'm not getting a whole lot. You're welcome. Um, I'm first of all going to take a stab at the main characters, the protagonist's name, and um, see if I can even get the the perspective writing of this. I think this is in third person. I think the main character's name. I'm going to go super American with this book. I think the I think this could be young adult, and I think the main character's name is Josh. His name's Josh Tanner. 
And he oh, is I a sophomore. Hate it. Yeah, it's Josh. I hate it. <laughs> he's a sophomore in college and he plays on the football team. No, actually he's a bit cooler than that. He plays on the basketball team. He's a little bit cooler than a footballer, he plays basketball. <laughs> um so his name's Josh Tanner. Um this is in Connecticut. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I you are wildly wrong so far. So okay. I mean, that's okay. I'm just keep rolling with it. I got the third person narrative. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it was correct. I'm gonna have so, to Google it now. And be like Josh Tanner, <laughs> our American basketball sweetheart, of Connecticut. <laughs> I think this kid is in in school, and he's kind of always had it really easy. Um, he's like one of the, one of the 40% of, one of the 4% of children post 2008 economic collapse whose parents still love each other. <laughs> oh no, it's starting off so bad. I think it's even listening. <laughs> I wasn't, no, sorry. What was that? I said that he's one of the 4% of children post-2008 economic collapse whose parents still love each other. Oh, Nikki. Omar's had it easy. You know, he has a really nice life. You're going to make him out to be like an absolute douche. <laughs> He's. Do you know what this is reminding me of so far? Is John Tucker must die. Yeah, I got that vibe. I'm so glad Flipping knew it. I was like... I gave him, a, I gave him too happy a childhood. And then the Josh Tanner. I was like... <laughs> Why is this giving yeah, me John? That's his name. John Tucker. It's not Josh Tucker. Yeah. John Tucker must die. Yeah, I do love Josh that movie though. <laughs> must die. So Josh Tanner, he's just had it. He's had it so good, and not for any of his. He's own been marriage. cheating on multiple women. What? He's been cheating on yeah, multiple he's, women. He's just had it too good, yeah. and like he just not because he deserves it. Like quite the opposite. He has no basis in reality. He when has, do they ever deserve, deserve it? When Pardon? do they when do they ever deserve it? No. Never. Never. The, the good ones don't. Unfortunately that's not the way it works in no. both land. If you've had a tragic upbringing it makes you a good person in both <laughs> I wouldn't say a good person. I've read a lot of them where the main character's gone through an awful lot of shit and then there's still shit to other human That's beings. That's true, but you never meet a main character who's a good person and hasn't gone through the ringer. Sometimes. As like the caring friend. Maybe not the, the main. That's so true. Maybe not as the main character, but usually the caring friend. The caring friend who's had a good life, but is like aware of how. Yeah, privileged. Pri- yeah, they know they're, they're privileged. They know they're privileged. And yet, yeah, a lot, you know, sometimes it can be done really well where they're aware of it, but they're not going to like mm-hmm. rub your nose in it. But they're so kind of like, I'm going to help you. Like, I am your supportive, caring friend. They and are. And this guy's yeah. parents are incredible people. They are incredible and they are like a unit. They've like worked See, together through that home. makes it worse because then they're really bad parents because their son That's turned out... That's not true. Like, he could just be a dick. <laughs> I think it could be bad parenting. I think in this land they are great parents and their child is just an asshole. That's my worst fear actually. Oh, it's like super nanny. <laughs> what happens if your child is just a dick and it's not on you? Because I don't think that's possible, but part of me is like, what if? You see, the thing is though, I've watched many super nanny episodes. Yeah. And like those children, like are nightmares, but then a lot of the time, like the parents are nightmares too. It always is the parents. Well, in so, Bookland, Becca, in Bookland, we're just making this character as unlikable as possible. He has okay. no redeeming qualities. All right. He has great parents. He's just evil. Great life and lots of money. And he's lots a of he's a psychopath. Okay. He is. He is. All right. Yeah, I'm glad it's. Been he's smart. a future serial killer. Let's go. Let's make him suffer. So anyway, not to escalate things. Josh Tanner is on his way to school. He has to cross a bridge. <laughs> There's someone under the bridge and she is basically like, um, I would like some money, please. I'm not having I'm okay. having a really hard time. 
and um, is like really, really in need. He's got an awful lot of money on him and he is mm. literally an asshole. And it's like, no, bitch. <laughs> and he just goes on around bit like, hey, you did this yourself. You're like, oh, good thing. And how old is he at this point? Credit. How old is he at this point? He's 17. He's going to, he's going to be a senior. And he's got like loads of college acceptance letters. Like he can do whatever he wants because he's good at basketball. Do you know what? And I feel like his parents bribed the colleges to let him in. No, because they're good no. people. I'm going to say that this people. is <laughs> no. This is during the college admission scandal. Sorry, I'm no, I'm bringing it in people. and being like, nah. No, I know you're making this more believable, but I hate to tell tell you this, Rebecca. If you were a lover of realism, this is not this book. Because that I don't... woman under a bridge, she was a witch. <laughs> <laughs> She cursed him. Beauty and the Beast is coming yeah. into it. She cursed him. Like, oh, wow. She cursed him. It's like Ella. It, it, no, is it Ella Enchanted? It is. It's Ella Enchanted. Enchanted. She can't. He, Josh Tanner, cannot tell a lie. <laughs> <laughs> and Josh Tanner, like, doesn't do his homework. So all of a sudden, he's usually like, yeah, sorry, I was at basketball. And then I was, like, helping out with the charity. To be honest, girl, out of every curse that you could have picked to give him. He can't tell a lie. He's got to admit he's a bad person, Becca. That is his comeuppance. Got to admit. So instead of like, I think the first lie happens and he didn't do any of his, any of his homework. Mm. And this teacher has given him like a, a lot of extra credit um, for basketball and for, you know, he's often said, oh, I didn't do my homework because I was helping out this charity event. And the teacher would always write in his extra credit. It was never any problem. Mm. He walks into class, doesn't have his homework done. He's about to go on a spiel. But it was helping some like homeless dogs find houses and caring families, and then instead he goes, "I was jerking off," <laughs> and he says it for the whole class, and I was like, "Whoa, bitch!" And everyone kind of laughs at first and thinks it's really funny, but the teacher's not impressed. She's like, "What an asshole!" I and everyone thinks it's hilarious. It. He kind of gets away with it, but he gets his first like taste of like what do you call it he gets his first consequence for his bad actions okay you know and the teacher writes him up and is like that's not funny you're going to detention boy has a stellar squeaky clean record he goes to detention and the lies just keep catching up with him worse Mm. so he is cheating on those girls in school as john tucker would and he just comes clean and they give him his comeuppance and he deserves it he can't lie anymore so he goes home and I think the lies just get, he just gets in more and more and more trouble as things go on. And I think like there was probably like a family incident, I think in the past where someone wrecked their mum's car and they had fallen out with his cousins over it because he said the cousins did it and that they were the ones who stole all his mum and dad's savings. And there's been this big family drama that went on like maybe a year ago and he just comes clean all at once for this like catastrophe and it just gets worse and worse. It ricochets me. Josh Tanner loses it all. And what does he learn? The power of accountability. (laughs) I think he has to rebuild his life like from the beginning. He has an amazing support group behind him because he always has. But he has to earn them and he has to deserve them. And I don't think the witch ever lifts this curse. I think he just, he actually, no, no, no. He doesn't know if the witch lifted this curse because he swears, I'm going to be an honest guy. So it doesn't matter. If she didn't lift this curse, it doesn't matter. I'm an honest guy now. So maybe she lifted the curse, maybe she didn't. That's my guess. I think that's correct. (laughs) No. I'm really proud of that one. I think that would be a really I good, hate Josh Tanner. trashy Netflix show. <laughs> Netflix. Yeah, it's so You're good. You're aiming really high there. You know, it's so it'd be so good. You'd watch it. If I begged you to. <laughs> so this is a book I will uh put a disclaimer here that I got this book from Neck Alley. Ooh. Very kindly from Neck Alley and the publishers. Um for a review. Now, as always, um, my reviews are very honest and yeah. 
So, and unbiased, like I'm not paid for this. So this book was published on uh, the 8th of July of this year. So it is oh. a recent book. It is a recent oh. book. Um, so yeah, because I have to get through those Nettigelly ones. These must be all the pandemic um, books. So uh, you are very wrong. This is not about a 17-year-old privileged white child in I America. Can, I can say that, but probably. Let's be honest. Yeah. He's in America. Like, it's so sad that he has to be. Oh, no, I just, I just hate him. So, <laughs> so in this book, we meet Faiza. Um, she is um, in huge trouble. Like, oh, dear God. Like, the book opens with her. Um, at a Botox party, <gasps> at a Botox oh party, party with other uh, mums from her kids' school, and her husband is ringing her to say, um, I, "I'm assuming it doesn't outright say this was set during the recession, but it sounds like it's it's set at the very start of oh the my God, no. recession." I cr- oh no! Yeah. I was Exactly. We're still together. Yeah, which I was like, class. you're going to really regret that oh, when no. I tell you what the book's about. I've, so, been, I've been reading about the 2008 recession all week, by the way. No jokes. Like, it's, I it's horrific. I was just he is in he's in finance and he's ringing her to say that um, they the company that he's with People are being dragged into HR and he could be potentially let go by the end of the day. And she's like, no, like you've been doing amazing. And he's just, he's worried. Like you can tell it's, she, it's panicked. And then we kind of cut to Faiza being like, I should leave. And they're like, oh, it's non-refundable. So she gets the box treatment anyway. <laughs> and you're like, your husband could potentially lose his job. But under all this, he's like, at least we have our emergency fund now oh, no. bad news Faiza has been dipping into this emergency fund for quite a long time so she immediately like races home to beat him home um, to find out how much is actually left in the emergency fund and she's all like it's fine it's fine like it could only be like a few thousand now she has not been opening the statements She's been putting them in a LK Bennett shoebox. And like she gets home, she she finds it, she rips it open and there is nothing left. Guess how much was in it? $3. No, like at the start. Oh, like 80 grand. 75,000. Yeah. 75,000 pounds. They're in London. They're living... So are they are they like living like it is really bad and her husband is let go and he comes home and he's like look at least we can probably get through about six months if not more um we're gonna draft up a, up a budget and like he's he's like i'm so proud of you for sticking to a budget because he has been looking at their personal account she hasn't been like really taking a lot of money out and then she's the, Oh, like when I say this book, I was so anxious throughout all of it. She starts calculating the stuff around the house, being like, that rug was like, Jesus, like I told him I got it for it for a bargain, but it was like 2,000 pounds or, and like the kids, everything, like it's horrific. And she works out um, that they literally have six weeks until they're bankrupt with what money they have. So she immediately goes about trying to replace the money. And instead of telling him this is the better plan, she she assumes. Oh, I want this as a film. This is incredible. Like, oh, when I say, like, I think I told you that the current book I was reading at this time, I was like, I was like, I'm so anxious. I was like, one chapter in, I was like, I am an anxious mess oh god money woes are scary this literally all happens within the first chapter so like this oh, this god. is not giving anything away <laughs> so I mean there's points where you're like just I mean I just wanted to jump into that book give her a little slap and just be like cop yourself on like cop yourself on please like, cop yourself on this is this is, this is horrific oh, and like god. she is in a really loving relationship and like her husband um, losing his job like that really hits him very hard and um, 
he starts immediately applying for new jobs and it's during a hiring freeze. No one is taking anybody on and anybody he's helped out in the past, he tries to get favors for like even going for interviews and nothing's happening. So we see, we watch him slipping into a depression. So it's really hard. Like I'm going to say the prologue in this book. I will kind of talk about it. Um, there are some very sensitive issues um, that this book raises, but I think it does it really, really well. Um, so what we kind of watch is Faiza um, trying to find a job, trying to, um, you know, it's a possibility of selling the house, selling her car, anything to try and get money back. And I mean, I think her husband's like, oh, I'm just so proud of you for like trying to help us out. And you're like, Faisa, please, please just be honest with this man. And I mean, some of the situations that um, she does get herself involved in, like she does get hired at one point and she makes up a completely new identity so that people don't know who she is kind of thing. And I'm like, Faisa, that is stupid. Um, you know, like I was like, this isn't believable because I, like yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna be done bankruptcy don't be done for identity fraud as well nah, like not good and we see that i mean obviously they're living in i think it's wimbledon so obviously a very elite part of london uh their children are in private school so that would be i think public school for the uk uh where they have to pay fees i think they call it public school when it's you have to pay Oh, yeah it yeah it's, it's weird but um that's my understanding of it from watching like morse and all that but anyway um so they she has always really strived to fit in now with Faiza, um we learn that this kind of struggle is something that she's kind of been dealing with her whole life because she is a asian a british asian mum and um she is also muslim and we see that um she has a kind of close relationship with her parents but we see that her complicated kind of view of money and like talking about it in relationships is because of how many arguments her parents had growing up so that's where we kind of see that difficulty arising but then to see how she completely changes her identity almost to fit in with these school mums and even then, she's kind of on the outside. The queen bee doesn't like her. And it's purely from a racial point of view that she doesn't like her. Like, I'm going to say the blatant racism in this book that some of the characters are like, oh, we'll just like change the topic. Or um, like people being like, I'm sure she didn't mean it like that. I think you're like making it seem like oh, she's like, the one oh, overreacting. Her, like, and geez. like... Sorry to bring it back to Housewives, but that was two weeks ago on Housewives. It's very oh. out of it. Do you have no DMs? If you're also out of it, do. But um, like that, the, the racism in this book that she has to endure, like she shouldn't have to endure. She no. shouldn't have to face any of it is absolutely vile. Like I'm going to say, like some of the comments that are directed at her, like I'm just like, oh, sweet Jesus. That's so um, funny, isn't it? Like it's absolutely disgusting. And we kind of see her getting more comfortable with um, showing her her own identity and really embracing what she wants to portray to the world as mm-hmm. the book goes on. But um, it, yeah, no, I'm just thinking like there's one character who's absolutely horrific that I'm like, you are disgusting racist. Um, so yeah, so the book does deal with issues about debt Um male mental health which is something that is i know in ireland is something that we try to encourage a lot more well maybe individual people or organizations do but the whole but country there's no there's, there's a stigma against it yeah and but like, even if you look at media there isn't any accurate representations they're all no. like really exaggerated mm. Or else they're really like, oh, he was sad because he didn't have anyone to love. And it's all simplified. Yeah, it's there's it's a lot of deeper happening. things going on. So I think it's discussing this and kind of, um, I mean, I don't think it really discusses the stigma that would be around it a lot. But um, 
even showing like we can see very clearly that Tom is slipping into depression and I don't think Pfizer really re- realizes it. She's kind of like, why isn't he like congratulating me? Why isn't he proud of me? And you're like, this is incredibly tough on him. And I'm going to say that there are points in their relationship where they really do need to talk to one another and they're bickering, they're fighting and Pfizer doesn't understand why. And you're like, you both need to sit down, do you know? Yeah. Um, because your life might be taking off again. His isn't. Yeah. And it's a big change for him. But as well, what I will say, I'll preface um, the prologue in this book is, and it really took me by surprise, is someone contemplating um, suicide. And um, that can be very difficult for some people. It's it's very difficult. And I will say a big uh, content warning about that. Suicide is mentioned um, many times in the book. And um, we kind of see someone who is thinking that life would be better for his family. So it's all about um, how men uh, in the workplace might have suffered. Um, no, I mean, it doesn't portray anything about women mm-hmm. during that time, about them losing their jobs. It's very much men in the workplace, which I didn't appreciate. But then again... It was kind of the tone of it, it, it was. Like so. It was- the old horror stories, like even in that film, The Big Short, mm. all the horror stories were about men losing their jobs. Yeah. But then again, the women also lost jobs, jobs too. Like oh, women did. also have big jobs. Yeah, no, no, so, they did, but that's the way it was highlighted back then. Mm. Like when you read about the recession, it's all these bankers, mm. and unfortunately, and it still is predominantly, it's a male sector ruled mm. industry because there, there is, if they're not treated equal, like you know, there is quite a few um mentions of that in the book Mm -hmm. and um thoughts about suicide things like that so i would warn against um or not warn against but just um uh, you know be mindful of yourself during that because it does um many characters we can see it um now another warning would be that there is a sexual harassment in this book um, and I'm not going to give away really what happens, but another thing to be mindful of. So as the book kind of goes on, we kind of see obviously that Faiza, her realization about money and not having to have to fit in with these school mums and like, it's pretty much, you don't have to keep up with the Joneses, you know? And, um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a very good book. Um, I will say that there's, there were some sections that I just felt didn't have to be included. There's just one or two situations that I was like, it's kind of dragging on a little bit, do you yeah. know? And um, even some of the side characters with their kind of side plots about like friends, husbands and things like that. It took me a, a bit to be like, oh yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, guy's husband. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you know? And, to, and for you that. I this book in a short span as well. I did. It, I mean, I'm saying it was a few weeks ago and I'm like, wait, that's probably like a week or two ago, but I've read. I've. Read like three books since, so I'm like, <laughs> you know, memory isn't as fresh. But I mean, it is a very good book. This is, I think, her debut book. Oh, so no I mean, it's a very strong book, and um, yeah, I thought it was great. And it it does deal with quite a lot of issues that I haven't seen presented in this kind of format. Um, so yeah, I mean, another thing that I've seen a lot since kind of um, researching the book is that a lot of people hated Faiza. They did not like her. And to be honest, I really liked Faiza. I I was I was really rooting for her. She, to be honest, she came across as a bit ditzy to me and someone that she absolutely loves her family. Like she yeah. would do anything to put her kids and Tom first, especially her kids. Um, and I think the thing is she lost a sense for herself and her own self-worth mm. and we're kind of seeing her where she needs to regain that and realize that she is a powerhouse of a woman like yeah. and um I really liked her I thought she was a bit ditzy um and yeah so I mean that's kind of that's kind of it um out of 10 out of 10 I think I'd probably give it a seven like oh, it was good it was good um oh, wow. so a bit about I had to go uh so a bit about our author Alia you Ali Afzal, yes. Name in the whole world. <laughs> I, I just, I'm gonna dream about that name. 
it is it's beautiful so Alia Ali Afsal has a degree in Russian and German from the University College London and is studying for an MA in creative writing at Royal Holloway University of London uh, she is an alum of the Curtis Brown Creative Novel Writing Course, which I've heard actually quite a few authors have gone through. I feel like um, I've had one or two books. Yeah. I feel like in my research, I've come across that before. But um, so Alia worked as a city headhunter, which kind of makes sense with how much she writes about like finding jobs and that, um, before retraining as an MBA career coach. Uh, she has always lived in London since moving there from Pakistan as a young child, but has also spent time in Russia. Uh, Germany, Amsterdam, and Cairo. So this is her debut novel. Um, and yeah, so I mean, this is really great. Oh, sorry, I was just reading about uh, her next book. <laughs> Meaning like, oh, I didn't see this before. Ah! Um, but yeah, so it was, it was a, a good book about kind of topics that I don't see covered very often. And she is a very good writer. I did enjoy her style I writing. I really want to read it because, I don't know, it, it's weird living through a crash like that because we definitely would have been affected by it quite heavy. And um, I don't know, it's just weird because, like, when you were when we were kids, like, what age were we when that happened? We were, like... 2008, 6th class. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Like, that mm. was, like, life-altering times. And I think especially after going through covid and seeing the implications of that, like, you know, we were talking about, like, how we've no guidance on our jobs right now. Mm. Like, imagine how scary that must have been in 2008. Well, I remember um, someone saying to me and a friend that, oh, at least you're young enough, you don't need to worry about getting jobs right now. Like, imagine people graduating from college, they're screwed. Yeah. And, like, then me being like, I'm going to be terrified. Like, what if this happens again? Yeah. Do you know? Um, we finished it. We finished like it's so funny because I finished in the worst sector you could have possibly finished in going into a pandemic and my partner who I went to the moment finished in the best sector <laughs> see at least you're fine it's fine it's fine you balance each other out. it's fine um, we'll deal with them I'll just start spending the emergency funds <laughs> and I'll have a panic in about three years time oh my god don't like I can't, so I can't put it oh into God, words. I was sweating when you were telling me about that just yeah. there. I can't imagine reading it. I, I think I would rip my hair out. No. Oh, so, uh, this is uh, advice to all listeners. Do not spend your emergency fund. Um, don't dip into your emergency fund every now and again. Like, save money. Especially if you don't, if you don't need it, don't. Don't. Just leave it there, friends. Don't. You know. I but, can't um, talk at the moment because I'm taking every financial risk I can this month. But <laughs> at least one of us is like, save your money. Woo. <laughs> um, and then I'm like, chase your dreams. <laughs> but anyway, uh, until next time. Yes. Bye. 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 I have control of my market. Stop recording. Bye. It'll be like an hour.